You're listening to the Grieving Mamas Club podcast, a space for moms who are on the wild ride of motherhood while navigating their grief journey. Here are your hosts. I'm Rashida, a motherless mom of a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Yep, that is two under four. And I'm Kara, a motherless mom with a three-year-old, an angel baby, and one on the way. Let's dig in. Hey guys, welcome to episode four of the Grieving Mamas Club podcast. Episode four is going to be a really super fun one. It's almost going to be kind of a solo Rashida episode, but not so much solo because a couple of weeks ago, she did an Instagram live, an Insta live, if you will, with the founder of Mental Health Match and Ajana Therapy. So Rashida, tell us a little bit about that Insta Live, sister. Yes, yes. So I had a couple cocktails one night, discovered Mental Health Match and slid into their DMs. So Mental Health Match is a therapy matching website. So you can go there. You don't even have to make an account. It's free. Put in the things that you're looking for, the kind of trauma that you have. Ryan goes into detail about this in the Instagram Live, and it matches you with therapists based on your needs and if you have insurance and things like that. So yeah, so I slid into his DMs. He connected me with Jessica Eastman, who is the owner of Vajana Therapy. So this is really just a conversation between the three of us. Jessica has a, a deep history and she works with a lot of grief and motherhood. So overall, the umbrella of the interview, IG Live, if you will, is talking through grief and motherhood. But we also talk about triggers and some coping mechanisms for when you encounter a trigger. And there's a brief bit about finding a therapist, when you should find a therapist, and the things to look for in finding a therapist. So it was really a wonderful conversation, I thought. (laughs) I really hope that you guys can have some takeaways from it too. So here it is. Before we dive all the way in, let's go ahead and do introductions. So for everyone who doesn't know me here, I am Rashida Dinehart. I run a blog formerly known as The Motherless Mom. I just recently rebranded it to Mona and Me, which is Mona is my mom's name. So like the old title suggests I am a motherless mom. I lost my mom 16 years ago on Saturday, actually. So it's kind of funny how when we were planning this, it didn't dawn on me that it would be so close to um, me losing my mom, my her death anniversary. So that's the universe works in such strange ways. But yes, so I have been writing the blog, I have been trying to create this space for moms who are like me, it started as moms who only have lost their moms, but I have found, as I joked when we first chatted, that grief is kind of my jam. And so I have found that I just like talking about, talking to all people on a grief journey who are also balancing that with motherhood. So that's kind of where I come into the pie. Ryan, you want to go next? Sure. I'm the founder of Mental Health Match, which is um, a free service that helps match people to therapists who best meet their needs, including by, by issues and budget and all sorts of things. And I started Mental Health Match after losing my own mother and going through this process of trying to find a therapist and seeing what that was like. And the more people I reached out to about how do you find a therapist, the more people told me that they 
gave up because it was so hard and overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so I was determined to create a better way for folks and created Mental Health Match as the system to really help folks find a therapist quickly, easily, and in a way that feels very encouraging. And for me, this is part of my grief process. It is about Mental Health Match's turning what was like this unexpected tragedy in my life mm -hmm. and my own grief and loss into something that can help others and kind of gives me a mission and a passion in life. I love that. I love that so much. And just a funny anecdote for people listening. Ryan and I connected because I had like three cocktails, found Mental Health Match on Instagram and <laughs> slid into his DMs. <laughs> you were answering my DMs. <laughs> Thank you for reaching out. I was so glad to learn of your work and to, and to be here. Yes. Jessica, you're up. Yeah. So I'm Jessica Eisman. I'm a licensed professional counselor, um, supervisor in Texas, and also I'm currently licensed in Illinois as well. I've been practicing for about um, 13 years now, and I'm the owner and clinical director of a um, Houston-based private group private practice, Ajana Therapy and Clinical Services. Yes. So also people following. She is a licensed therapist. So the things she says are more legit than Ryan and I. Yes, a thousand percent. No, this is not therapy. Yes. <laughs> the team at Ajana is incredible. And I think that they have a lot of different talents. I know um, Jessica does a lot around motherhood and they've got such a, they've got a team that can basically handle everything. They've got folks who offer like nights and weekend sessions. So this is, I just, we work with a lot of therapists, and I am just always impressed with the team at Ajana. So if you are in Texas or Illinois and are seeking a therapist, I highly recommend reaching out to Ajana Therapy. Well, or Arkansas you. now, right, Jessica? I'm, yeah, no, I'm not licensed in Arkansas okay. quite okay. yet. Okay. It takes, a, takes a, a village to get licensed in Arkansas, apparently. So. <laughs> I was going to say, I have most of my following is in St. Louis, so if you want to just you know, also get registered, get your licensing well, it, in Missouri. It's, it, it's interesting because in Texas, as a licensed professional counselor, we actually can see people out of state. It depends on what that state's rules are oh, okay. Um, okay. without getting licensed. And I don't know what St. Louis's or Missouri's are, but it's possible. So okay. I'll look good into to, it. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> okay. So before we totally dive all the way into the things we're going to discuss today. We're going to have a formal like question and answer at the end as well. So then if you can hop in, ask any questions. And I actually got a question from a follower earlier today that I'm hoping, Jessica, you can help me on when we get there. She wanted to know what kind of grief books. She just lost her mom this week, and she is just looking for any kind of resources she can have. And I hope that she can take some good things from this. Yes, I have I have a few books that I wrote down. So, oh yay, cool! I'm yeah. glad, you're prepared on the spot. Um, <laughs> I love it. Okay, so I will dive in on me. I'm just give a little bit of a deeper story on why I love therapy, why I am super passionate about doing this work that I'm doing. Um, so, like I mentioned, I lost my mom when I was 15. Actually, I don't think I said that. I think I just said 16 years ago, but somehow expected you guys to math, um, a secret math. You didn't know what X was. So <laughs> I lost my mom when I was 15, coming up on 16 years ago. And when I, I'm, anybody who knows me knows me well, and knows me well knows that I am a busybody. So I am a person who is always moving. I am, I jokingly say I'm a perpetual busybody. But what I learned 
in the years after that is that's not necessarily the best way to deal with grief. And so once my mom passed away, I was a sophomore in high school and I survival kicked in and I just did the next thing that I needed to do. So when I, as a sophomore in high school, what's the next thing you're thinking about? Okay, I need to get to college. So I over probably extended myself to do all the things to get to college. Then once you get to college, you're like, okay, well now I'm here. Now I need to do all the things I need to do to to get a job, to like move on and make something out of myself in this life, like to make myself, my mom proud. So I do all those things. Again, never totally stopping to feel my feels. I will always say now these days, okay, take a moment and feel your feels. Like that's okay. How you feel is valid. I did not do any of that kind of work. None of it. So it wasn't until I had gotten my first job and I'm now 22 and then I sit down and I'm like, oh my effing gosh, I am mad. Like, I am so mad. Like, I had I had all of this just, like, rage bent, like, pent up inside of me because I hadn't truly processed that I had lost my mom. And then in the wake of that, I was basically parenting my own self from 15 and getting myself to all the things I needed to do. So I just didn't take the time to grieve, went to therapy or found a therapist here in St. Louis. There is a program where therapists coming right out of school can work with this program and they get, they get clients and then the client pays on a sliding scale fee. And so I found that here in St. Louis, found my first therapist through there. And I got really lucky, which is why I love what Ryan has created. I got really lucky and I really liked my first therapist. I can totally understand how going or finding a therapist that you don't totally jive with can take you off of all of it altogether. So from there, I went on medication also, because I had a whole lot of anger going on, a whole lot of things, all the thoughts. So I went on medication, had the therapist. At some point, I was like, well, I feel fine now. I'm, I should be, quote unquote, over this grief. You guys both know, yeah, I should be over this grief. So I went off the meds, and then I stopped seeing my therapist. And right around the time my husband and I were deciding that we were getting ready to start for kids, I was like, oh, I'm, I don't, I feel strange about this. Like, I feel, I I have anxiety about it. I don't know if I want to be a mom. I don't know, like, how am I supposed to be a mom without my mom? Like, what is this going to bring for me? So at that point, I made the decision to start seeing a therapist again. And go back on, I take Zoloft, I am a loud, proud, like, medicationer over here. Not (laughs) a good medication that sounded like you should go take all the drugs. Don't do that. But (laughs) prescribed. Yes. Yes. Prescribed to you by a licensed (laughs) practitioner. (laughs) Um, But yes, and so I think in in this long journey of grief, and I just wrote a post the other day about re-grief and how you grief changes over time and how you grieve differently. And just in this long journey, I have learned that for me to be my best me on this grief journey, I'm always going to be a person who probably needs to always be in contact with a therapist and probably always needs to be medicated. And for me, that means I sometimes, if I'm going through something particularly hard, I'll see my therapist uh, weekly. Right now I'm down to monthly because I don't really have a whole lot of things going on. During the pandemic, I'm sure lots of people were like, I need to see my therapist every single day. So yeah, that is some of my story. Jessica, would you like to talk through how you came into this motherhood and grief kind of specialty as well? Because you write a lot about it too for Mental Health Match. 
Yeah. So I, I actually had my daughter kind of started a little bit of just my like maternal mental health journey. I, I struggled really hardcore with peripartum and postpartum depression and didn't have the best kind of experience as I was going through it. And so, you know, that's kind of where I started to realize that like, there just needs to be a lot more people that work with moms and grief is part of that. There's anxiety, you know, depression, and then there's grief, like when you have the loss of, you know, somebody or you have, you know, these, these, these things happening in your body that you don't know, you know, what are going, what's going on after being Mm -hmm. a mom. Totally. So can you, I guess, define grief for everyone or what it means to be grieving? Yeah. So grief is is a natural and normal response, right? Like, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind is when we're grieving or when we think of grief as somebody dying um, or losing somebody that we love. But also, you know, that can be a loss of a job, loss of health, um, loss of safety, relationships, those kinds of things. And but, you know, I think we're focusing a lot here. So I'm going to be talking a lot about like, you know, grief within there's no correct emotions for us to have with such an enormous loss. Grief doesn't stop after the funeral. And it doesn't have the same timeline for everyone. Right. One thing you just hit on, though, that I did love is that grief doesn't always have to be the loss of something. I think coming out of the pandemic and especially in that first like six months where we were all extremely locked up and extremely scared. I've talked to a lot of people who were like, I don't, I don't understand this feeling that I am feeling, but I miss being able to go for a run without fearing I was going to catch COVID. I did a lot of chatting through like, that's grief. Grief Mm -hmm. is the loss of something that you once knew. So what you're experiencing as someone who has gone through the stages of grief many times over, what you're experiencing is grief. And that's, it is okay. And I think it is important for people to understand grief is, it's a spectrum of feels and it's a spectrum of, I guess, relevancy Mm -hmm. so that no no one should feel like their grief is less than necessarily. Absolutely. It, it looks so different for each person. Yes. And we have to be really careful also for, you know, whatever our grief is or was to not also then put that onto somebody else because it's going to look very different, even if we have lost the same person, even if it was very similar, you know. So I think that's really important too. What do you find are some of the hard parts, or I guess if you're seeing someone who is a mom and grieving, what do you, what do you find that they're struggling with the most or what, how do you coach them through that? (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to read this. There's a quote from this book called motherless daughters. And it says, when my mother died, a lot of people tried to comfort me by saying, well, you have your father, you still have your brother and sister. You have a wonderful husband and beautiful children. And you know what? That's all true. That's all completely true. But I still don't have my mother. And, you know, I think, you know, when you birth a child, I also heard this like really cool thing that it's like your child is the only thing that knows you from knows what your heartbeat sounds like from the inside. Every time. I know, every time. (laughs) And that just to me, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan's got the feels. <laughs> but that, that also what that says to me is that there's, there's something about, you know, a child and someone who has birthed a child that there's this like cellular connection that, 
Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody could else could understand or, you know, relate to in some ways. And that's so mm-hmm. painful, you know, losing a parent, losing a spouse and losing a child, or, you know, not that other people's griefs are not significant, but these tend mm-hmm. to be the hardest griefs to go through. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, and there, I think for me, losing a parent and Ryan, you as someone who's lost a mom too, can definitely chime in here. I think it is losing a parent. You can never get another parent, if that makes sense. And I don't want to lessen anybody's, anyone else's grief. I think for me, what I come back to time and time again, and I will also say my mother-in-law is wonderful. Like she is a mom-like feature to me, but yeah, maybe it goes back to that cellular piece that you're saying, but like, it's, I can never, I, no one will ever be her. You know, I don't know, Ryan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I 100% that really resonates, right? And I I mean, I think with a lot of grief, like, there is no replacement, right? You're not Mm going to find that. And I think that quote that Jessica shared, it really speaks to like, there are the social messages and pressures you get when you're grieving that what your grief should look like, what it should feel like, when it should end. Like, these are all things that people as well intentioned as they might be kind of share these messages. And Uh I think that the risk is when you start listening to them instead of yourself or a trained professional. Like Jessica. And think that you've got to like kind of silence your own feelings because that's what's expected. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of those messages that we get. And I, you know, around my mom's own passing, like I saw other people grieving that process, but then like abruptly just like shutting it off and like going back to, to to the way to normal to work Mm -hmm. or or whatever, because Mm -hmm. that's what they thought that they, they should do. And so I think that that part is really, really hard and where we really have to start listening to ourselves and our feelings and the work of, of therapists and telling us that it's okay to grieve. It's interesting. I like how you said like society and we, we take grief cues from other people and then it makes us feel like we are grieving incorrectly. And I think when you lose somebody like in your specific household, it's easier for other people to continue living the lives they were living because their immediate lives aren't changed. And so yeah. then you're looking at them and you're like, well, they, I, I should be over this, right? Like that person loved so-and-so as well. And it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to feel, it's, it's hard to take your own cues, like you said, and feel, feel your feelings and do them on your own time. I always say grief isn't linear. And I know this is something you guys also totally get <laughs> um, as well. Just Jessica, sorry. No, we're all friends now. We're all friends Yes, Jessica, will you talk us through a little bit about what that means, like that grief isn't linear and what we should expect or not expect as we move through our grief journeys? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we truly ever get over the loss of a loved one. One of the best examples is the there's this ball in the box analogy. And, you know, you have this ball, I mean, this box with a ball in it, and then there's a pain button kind of at the bottom, if you can visualize that. And, you know, when grief first happens or when a loss first happens, you know, that that ball is so big and it's constantly pushing up against that pain button, Mm -hmm. right? But as kind of time goes on, that ball kind of gets a little bit smaller and it doesn't hit the pain button 
as often. It kind of maybe ping pongs around, but it when it hits the pain, it still feels like the same pain. Like the pain doesn't go away. It's just kind of like it lessens the amounts of times that maybe you have it over time. For sure. And that leads um, into a great discussion I want to have about triggers. What are some, and this, I'm asking for a friend, that friend is me with a death anniversary coming up. Um, <laughs> what, are, what are some, what, what would you define as a trigger? What are some coping mechanisms? Well, let me back up and say, what are some feelings someone might be feeling when presented with a trigger? And what are some coping mechanisms that you would recommend as a therapist, but not, this is not a therapy session. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You know, grief is such a weird thing in so many ways. Like you can be at a grocery store and picking up oranges and all of a sudden you're crying, even though like the oranges have nothing to do with your grief, right? It just can come Mm -hmm. out of sometimes absolutely nowhere. And then on a grief trigger, for those of maybe who don't know that term is just kind of like when grief kind of, slaps you in the face out of nowhere. I mean, it's not a fun thing. So I think slapping in the face doesn't sound fun, right? Um, And just kind of comes out of the blue and you have that grief come over you and, you know, can elicit anger or anxiety, you know, crying, guilt, lack of motivation, loneliness. I mean, there's a lot of different things that can come from that. And some of the triggers for that can be like milestones, Mm -hmm. death anniversaries, Mm -hmm. birthdays, you know, lost opportunities. When we're talking about mothering, motherless, right? I mean, that's a huge kind of lost opportunity of, you know, everything that you do with your child and every milestone that they have and every question that you have, right? Like all of those things are, Uh are, Uh you know, lost opportunities that have to be grieved and, and potential triggers. I love that because I've been doing a lot of thinking and talking and writing about this idea of re-grief the Mm -hmm. idea and I saw someone else I can't like take credit for that I saw someone else posted on Instagram and I was like oh I love that um but the idea of, of it's basically what you said lost opportunities so when I had my son I was obviously like oh gosh I'm I'm being a mom without my mom but I as a mom as a daughter missing her mom the experiences I'm having between my son and I aren't necessarily the same, but what I have found in the birth of my daughter is that I'm having a lot of re-grief. And that's not to say like one child over over the other, but it's just like as a mom, missing a mom, and now I have a future mom. Yeah, I have just been finding myself, um, she's in, my little girl Parker has like my mom's sassy personality, like so sassy. And so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm grieving the missed opportunities of my mom seeing her mini grandbaby, but just like both of them in general, watching them grow up and be silly. And I was saying to my husband, so my kids are two years, two and a half years apart, but, and my brother and I are four years apart, but I can watch Parker absolutely worship the ground Dominic walks on and they're just like thick as thieves and like I just I can see the love between them and I think it's so cute because that's the love I had for my brother growing up and so I was saying that to my husband this is like watching them be cute together was like unknowingly a little bit of a trigger for me because it then brings Mm -hmm. me back to my childhood and then I am like 
uh, I missed my mom. Like, where did this, what happened? <laughs> like, yeah. They yeah. were having a beautiful moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it's too, it's like, you've got to be able to feel the grief to understand what that is. And I mean, I think you had mentioned that, you know, you, you were finding yourself really angry, right? And I think when we don't allow ourselves to feel grief, that grief is still there and it comes out through these other emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Through, and if we never learn to feel that grief, this is me as a non-therapist, untrained therapist talking, but like as somebody who's experienced this and, and like if we don't to feel that grief, we don't learn to recognize that it's at the root of some of these other feelings, right? So if you had never learned to feel that grief, watching your kids kind of play around and be mischievous, you might want to shut that down or be like, y'all are so annoying, you, you might get annoyed. And instead you realize like that is coming from this grief response that you're feeling because you're allowing yourself to feel it. I think so much is so much we like don't we try to erase that feeling or try to mm -hmm. numb it mm -hmm. or ignore it and you know i think a lot of therapists like the phrase the only way is through the only way to is through yes the only way to is through yes. yeah <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. and we got to be able to feel that and sit with it and not run away with it and it's really hard and it can be really painful mm -hmm. but that's why i'm so grateful for the grief therapists in my life who had held space for that and allowed me to feel those things yeah, I think I like that you said your, me basically having worked through my grief allowed me to be in that moment and say, okay, I feel this way. Like, I am not angry at anyone else in this room. And I wasn't, I wasn't angry. I was sad. Like, I just got sad. And I think the, all of the work I've done pre-becoming a mom with therapy is what has allowed me to be a better mom, I think. It's prepared me to, I've worked through all of the anger I've had surrounding that event and surrounding things that have come from that event so that then I can be my best me, which in turn is be my best mom. So then I can look at my kids and be like, no, I'm not angry at them. Like, look how cute they are. Like they're having a moment and it just reminds me of where I'm at on my grief journey. Yeah, absolutely. And Ryan, you make, you brought up a really good point too about it. Like it, it has to, it comes out in other ways, but I also believe like, right, like the energy has to go somewhere. And so even if it's not emotions, sometimes it's the things in our body, we're not sleeping, we might not be eating right. Like, you know, we might be having pains. There's just so many things that, do you guys remember that game Whack-A-Mole? Am I showing my age? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yes. For those of you who don't know what it is, it was this game in an arcade where, like, it's kind of brutal if you think about it, but it has, like, this hammer, and there's these little moles that kind of pop up all over the place, right? And it starts off, like, one at a time. So you hit the one down, right? And then you hit another down, and then at the very end, they all start popping up, like, really, really, really fast, and you're trying to hit them as fast as you can, right? And I think that's a lot of times, like, when we don't deal with, like, grief, for instance it just kind of starts popping up. And that's a lot of times when we see people in therapy, unfortunately, you know, is that point of which like, I can't handle it anymore. You know, it's just too much. Right. right. Yeah. And that's also why I, again, if I can give any advice, not as a licensed therapist, but <laughs> it is that after I, I, I will, I will live my life shouting from the mountaintops do not wait as long as i waited it sounds like someone's in a lunchroom <laughs> it's not you guys me hear that? i do it's on me oh. <laughs> i'm muting myself my my partner's packing up to go so i'm gonna be muted for a minute <laughs> like, ryan are you are you making dinner for the masses <laughs> <What are you laughs> 
did sound like that. That was a good. Didn't it? It just sounded like tra- lunch trays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mess hall. It's so loud. <laughs> no, no, all good. Shoot, what was I even saying? I had to make that joke. <laughs> yeah. If if no one takes anything from me ever in this life, it is that like please go after you have you have after you have experienced a trauma go see a therapist just like maybe give yourself a little bit to feel your feels so that you're not like totally hopping in and like thinking you're going to be fixed in a couple months but like i will die on the hill of not letting people make the same mistakes i made in my grief journey because i think i could have been a lot further along earlier probably had i not waited seven years to be like oh wait a minute therapy is cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. yeah. And I'll, can you give just a couple, like, what should someone do when they're experiencing a trigger? Like, for me personally, I like to just be alone. I just need to, like, take mm-hmm. a minute and breathe. Mm-hmm. But what are some other suggestions you would have? Yeah. I mean, I think if, you know, for instance, for like the anniversaries and, and milestones and, you know, marking your calendar and kind of preparing for that can be really helpful. I mean, those are the kind of grief triggers, right, that you know are going to happen. Not that it makes it any easier, but, you know, there's some buffers of things that you can kind of do up until that point and making sure that you know that you have the support system. You know, for the other kind of random grief triggers that can happen, it can be really helpful to have some distractions, like your go-to kind of distractions for when these things happen. A support system, you know, even going on a trip potential, well, pre-COVID time, but you know, <laughs> the before times. Calling somebody, exercising, you know, doing something, it's okay to, you know, obviously we don't want to distract to numb, but you know, for sure, the, for sure. when these triggers kind of come up and we're having a really hard time kind of getting ourselves out of it, then it can be really good to kind of distract yourself. Also, the the way that you speak to yourself is really important. There's a lot of like negative self-talk that can happen after somebody, after you lose somebody. A lot of what ifs or things you didn't do or wish you could do. And so, you know, working on reframing that kind of thinking process. Having a good support system is very, very important. Therapists, you know, friends, family, you know, that I think is going to be a huge part. There's lots of grief groups that are out there. I mean, Mm -hmm. lots of them are online right now. And so just making sure because you're, you're not alone, even though it feels like it. And obviously, like I said, each person's situation is unique. It's still you don't have to do it alone. And then it's interesting that you said that you like to be you like to be alone on that day because also it's we recommend sometimes like having your own special place to grieve putting on ocean music and going in your closet if like that's the only place that you can get away from right right but like having a place that you know that you can go and kind of have your own special time that you need and the other part that you guys already touched on is like that you have to you have to go through it because it will pop up Unfortunately. You gotta feel your feels. Gotta that feel is your feels. Yes. So we only have. I know. I promise I wouldn't keep you guys for too too long. We only have like ten-ish minutes left. But I definitely <laughs> wanted to make sure that we. Well, one of two things. I want to make sure we hit on Brian. Would you mind taking us through some how to find a good therapist? How mental health health match helps pair people with good therapists? And like, what should people be looking for? Like, what? How can we remove this barrier to entry? Yeah, that's a really great question. So, I mean, I, I could take you back to during my grief process. Like, after I lost my mom, this is the first time I'd ever looked 
for a therapist. Mm -hmm. And it's re it was really overwhelming. I had no idea what I needed. And so like the first thing is to say, don't wait till you're in a crisis moment to figure, to do some introspection and to find out what you need and what's going to work for you. You know, you don't have to wait till you're in crisis to go see a therapist. I think some of the best times are like when you're actually feeling good and want to learn like, what are you doing right that feels good? And how do you protect that in when things don't go so well? So when I was, after I first lost my mom, I went into busy mode. I took care of everybody else. I was like, stepping in for my dad I was making sure he had groceries I was like making sure I was at his house every day before he got home so I could intercept the mail and like take out all the mail that was direct, you know addressed to my mom and like <laughs> help trying to protect him like I started playing that role which is what I often do in times of credit like I just snap into like busy mode and taking care of business right so a few things so let me tell you about there's a few different experiences I had the first was the first therapist I went to was a recommendation and they were very like I'm so sorry I, you know this has been this, this is really hard I'm here for you and it was like not what I needed because it didn't match my busy mode like I wasn't in emotional state I was taking care of business and I needed a therapist who's gonna help me take care of business right and so it was just was like a personality mismatch and I've learned that now about me and my relationships with therapists is I'm like and what I what I need out of that relationship so that was the first thing the second person I went to was not even a therapist it was a it was actually somebody got me a gift certificate to a private yoga instruction and I didn't do any yoga as soon as like the lights went down and everything got quiet and my mind quieted I just bawled and I bawled for 45 minutes or whatever the session was <laughs> like I remember asking the person, like, God, this was really great. What kind of yoga was this? And she was just like, it wasn't yoga. Like, you just sat and cried for an hour. because You didn't actually do anything. It's yoga. And I was like, oh, this is what happens when I quiet my mind. And I'm running away from that, right? Like, And so the third experience I had in the weeks after my mom passed away was a therapist who immediately was like, what is your day-to-day -day like? And I was like, well, I run here, I run there, I'm doing this area, I'm doing that area. And they're like, okay, we need to address that. Like, we can't even get to your grief until you stop trying to be there for everybody else and you're not even listening to yourself. And like, I was like, oh, okay, like this is the therapist that I'm gonna stick with and, and they're really helpful for me. And so, you know, my first suggestion about finding a therapist is like not to wait till crisis moment and like try to get that introspection and I wish I had done that before because I would have realized like how do I act in crisis moments like what do I need in those moments I need somebody to help break me out of that cycle of being there for everybody else and running the errands and to like sit and feel so that aside like how do you go about finding a therapist. So obviously there's mental health match, which is a free service. And we've tried just to make it easy in, we did a lot of research with both clinicians and clients about like what makes a match for you. And there's just some obvious things you've got to be able to afford them. Right. So like, you've got to feel like there's budget, there's insurance. Don't always rely on your insurance. You might be able to pay less if you pay out of pocket because insurance can suck for a lot of people, right? If you got a $7,000 deductible, it doesn't really matter who's in network. You're not getting it anyways. And 
insurance can be really limiting in your choices for therapists. So we match on that. There's what's presenting issues. Like you, you would benefit with somebody who's got grief experience and who knows how to work around grief, right? And, mm-hmm. and so that's part of it. Cultural factors might be really important to you too. You might want somebody of a specific race or gender. You might want somebody of a specific faith background if that's really important to you. So mental health match kind of takes all of these things into account. It's a free system. You don't have to have an account or log in or anything. You just go. It's a quick survey, a couple minutes that asks you about some of these things. And then we show you the therapists who match those needs. Um, Aside from that, you know, I think there's a lot of really great articles out there. And so you might just want to look kind of Google for grief therapists, the state that you're in or the city that you're in, how to deal with grief and see what articles come up written by the therapists in your community. They are also really great. That's a really great way to kind of find information, but also find therapists at the same time. And, you know, I always think referrals from medical providers or from Mm -hmm. other therapists that you know, those are really great as well. But I'd be careful with a referral from a friend because we're all very different. And so Mm -hmm. what works for your friend might not work for you. Like I could have a friend be like, wait, your therapist was like, we can't deal with your grief until you stop being so busy. That's ridiculous. That would never fly with me, right? But it's what I needed. So be careful with referrals for a friend, but other medical providers, other therapists are great sources of referrals. Well, I was just going to say, you bring up a really good point too. Also, you know, if you don't have a good experience, please see another person because you could have a completely different experience. And a lot of times too, people, <laughs> people, people shy away from telling the therapist that this isn't a good match. Right. And we want to hear that. Like it's not going to hurt our feelings. I mean, if you yell at us, maybe or call us names, like possibly, but just in general, right. Like saying like, you know what, like, I don't think this is a match. Like, I can tell you 10 other people that could potentially be really good matches based on a conversation that we had. Right. And so, you know, don't feel like you just have to ghost the therapist and, and, you know, try to find things on your own. It's really important. I think too, to keep trying, you'll find somebody. Love that. Jessica, before we go into question and answer resources, Jessica, what kind of books? Yes. I've got my note, my notepad. (laughs) All right. So Motherless Mothers, which is one of the ones that I kind of quoted earlier, it says how losing a mother shapes the parent you become. And that's by Hope Eden. She also has a book that came out, I think, before that called Motherless Daughters. So both of those related to this topic are really good. One of my favorite for any sort of kind of grief is It's Okay That You're Not Okay, Meeting Grief and Loss in a Culture That Doesn't Understand by Megan Devine. You know, that that's a huge part of it. Like, like the world doesn't stop just because we're grieving. And Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief by David Kessler. And the last one is Bereavement, Studies of Grief in Adult Life by Colin Murray Parks. Okay, so we do have a question in here. It is, what is your advice on how to work through anticipatory grief? I love this question. My mom died of a heart attack, so it was instant. I went from no grief to all the grief. But I do know people who have had to work through anticipatory grief. So what do you guys think? You want me to start? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. You know, I, I, sometimes, like... I don't want to say that's not harder, but it's totally a different kind of grief because you're, you're, you know, I mean, we all know that our 
parents are going to die one day, right? But if you have somebody who has been really, really ill for, you know, or is starting to be ill for a long time, chronic Mm -hmm. illness, dementia, those kinds of things, that also, you start the grieving process a lot earlier, I think, than somebody who maybe instantly loses somebody. And Mm -hmm. so I think finding, you know, a therapist in that way and recognizing that, you're you are watching the person in front of you deteriorate in a lot of ways and and so like the grieving process is it's very similar it just starts i think a lot earlier for sure i need to say this which is like grief doesn't end right It, it manifests in different ways and i am continuing to learn it's this will be eight years now that i lost my mom and grief pops up in strange ways. And I'm so grateful for my therapist who can help me connect those dots, right? And the way, especially in my family, like the way grief pops up for them in some of our relationships. And so, you know, I think that there, you might get to this point where you're like, well, I can handle this. And then, so I don't need therapy anymore, right? And I, I really encourage people just to stick with it if it's once a month or once every six weeks, just to oh, check same. back in and have for those sure. questions of like, how is grief showing up for me? Or how is grief showing up in my relationships? Because it can do some funky stuff that is way beneath the surface. And so... Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and I think it totally, right? And those cultural expectations, I think even when people are grieving... There's, they, they remember there's like stages of grief. So like, okay, like I, I am at the end of it, right? But there is no end. It will be a part of your life. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that that's really important to, to be aware of and just to make some space to kind of reflect on how it's showing up. For sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that is why therapy, here's my last thing. Go see, get a therapist. But here is why, <laughs> that's why I think therapy is so darn important because when you hear someone say this is a life sentence and you've just lost someone you're like oh my god i am going to feel this way all the time every day the rest of my life and so Mm -hmm. i think having a therapist helps you realize kind of like that box um analogy that we talked about earlier like yes this is a life sentence but it doesn't have to hurt this hard every single day so like your therapist is going to help you help teach you some coping mechanisms and strategies so that you can continue moving through your life and live like a happy, healthy, fulfilling life, even in the wake of such a trauma of losing someone. I saw a quote that was like, grief is like, grief is actually universal. Like we are all going Mm -hmm. to experience grief. So it's wild that it's such a like taboo thing to talk about or that people don't know how to work through it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. For sure. Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, another. What resources would you have for someone who is working through anticipatory grief? I mean, like I said, seeing a therapist, you know, somebody who just like Ryan was talking about with mental health match, I mean, you can go in there and type grief or working with like chronic illnesses or those kinds of things as far as like, you know, what you're looking for when you're looking for a therapist. Love it. Okay. Just to reiterate, you can follow me at Mona period and me. Again, Mona is my mom's name. So I'm just carrying on her legacy in a way to help other people through their grief journeys. Ryan, where can people find you? We're at Mental Health Match or mentalhealthmatch.com. And Jessica.
Yeah, we're at Ajana Therapy, A-J-A-N-A Therapy, uh, therapy and then com. Yay. Okay, well, guys, thank you so much. I'm like, I got a little tear. I'm like, man, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much uh, for doing this with me. Like I said, thanks for allowing me to, after a couple cocktails, slide into your DMs, Ryan, and for <laughs> yeah. connecting, me, connecting me to Jessica. This has been really good. For me, I hope it has been really, really good um, for other people who have listened. I hope it's been really good for you guys, too. It's weird. Talking about about therapy and grief always makes me feel better, which is weird to, like, just keep hammering home the point. But, like, it always makes me feel better. And walking Mm -hmm. into, like I said, the 16th year death anniversary of my mom. This is a good good little chat heading into that. And some reminders for myself to give myself grace as I move into the weekend. Absolutely. Amen. Thank you, Thank for you so this much together. for, for, yeah, absolutely. This has been so helpful and so sweet. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you guys. All right. Bye, everybody. Take care. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Grieving Mamas Club podcast. Just remember when times get tough, you're a badass bee and you got this, mama. Yeah. See you guys next time. See you.